0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Amer- City Watch's American Citizens podcast. My name is Graham with Josh, and we have Joe Bailey with us today. Welcome back to the show, Joe. Good afternoon. Um, what we're going to do today, we are going to talk. Well, we didn't have Joe on. Joe was not at the Bournemouth game. He didn't get a chance to watch the Bournemouth game because of circumstances beyond his control. But we are going to talk, get his t- thoughts on that for just a couple minutes before we move on. Um, what we do want to do, we're going to talk a little bit about the league as a whole and how we feel about City in it so far, given what we've seen. We're going to talk a little about the League Cup as a competition as a whole, and we're going to talk about City's midweek game against Swansea, again, for just a tiny bit. So let's start right off at the top. Um, Joe, I know that you have seen bits and pieces of the Bournemouth performance, but just in general, feel free to give your reaction, anything you want to single out before we uh, get to the uh, rest of the stuff here.
1: Well, yeah, I'll I'll briefly give a couple of thoughts. Um, I only got to watch the highlights, so I singled out a couple of players, and I may as well start with Raheem Sterling. I'm sure you guys have have mentioned it, but um, he he was <laughs> incredible. It, that even by Sterling's standards this year, having improved a bunch by moving out on the right, by somehow finding well, by Pep giving him this. Uh, Huge wave of confidence. Um, even by those standards, he was exceptional. Um, just uh, I, I picked out uh, the run that he went on where he cut in from the right hand side and uh, was so unfortunate he came right across the area to eventually hit the post. Uh, that was so close, and I, I really wish it went in. But he was. He seemed to be one of our best players. I think De Bruyne once again has to be considered our best player. That's certainly the ten reaction of, I ten gave. Out,
0: 10 out of 10 was some people gave him in the match ratings. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I'm looking at MEN, who gave um, De Bruyne a 9 out of 10. So yeah. <laughs>
0: si- Simon Curtis on ESPN actually gave him a 10 out of 10, I think.
1: I think the 9 is certainly the, the harshest mark he's got so far, yeah. from what I've gathered, <laughs> which says a lot. Uh, no doubt he's the best player in the Premier League at the moment, but... We all know that, anyway. So um, I thought he, uh, I thought he was great, uh, Sterling, um, and I, I really thought that Ianacho took another step up. To be honest, um, he seemed to link much better than he did in the Derby at the top of the triangle. Sometimes with uh, Nalito, with Sterling, and with De Bruyne. Now, of course, Dun- uh, Gundogan, um, who's growing with every game he's playing. Um, I think that was a really impressive game for Iheanacho and uh, the 10 goals from, I think it's about, I think it's 10 goals from 14 shots on target in the Premier League. I think uh, that tells its own story um, yeah. with who we've got on our hands. I'm Sunday.
0: not even certain if that's even sustainable or not, but the finishing has been ridiculous.
1: Yeah, so... um it's we, we've discussed this and we say much of the same about um, about uh, the games, but <laughs> it's it was so impressive. I think I don't think there was anyone that had a bad game. Of course, you guys watched the full game, so you'll be able to give clear insight on that.
0: Mm-hmm. I would I would agree with that, Josh. You wanted to bring up Kolarov, and you had a question in particular about Kolarov and re- with regards to his revitalization this year.
2: Yeah, I'm just. When it comes to Collarov, what I'm genuinely curious about, and and I know that Steven Tudor, you know, Daisy Cutter has mentioned this more so on his own personal feeling side. I mean he may have written about it. I if he has, I've I've not read it. But Daisy Cutter kinda initially brought this up at the beginning of the season. And it's just if it took a world class manager to get this out of Kolarov, you know, he told him he could f off, <laughs> you know. He's kind of kind of frustrated that all of a sudden now we're seeing this mm-hmm. Um But but I am genuinely curious because I think when you look at Kolarov being a left back isn't necessarily the best of what he does. Is it possible that everybody else had been misusing him and that he's more of a center back in that he's more of a center back in that that's defensively where he provides you a lot. But under Guardiola's system, it allows him to get forward like he would if he were a fullback, if that makes sense. So you kind of get the best of both ends of Colorado without asking him to keep up up with pacey wingers, which I don't think he can do.
1: Um, He he definitely can't. I think think it needed the right manager for him to um, play as well as he's doing, first off, but in regards to um centre-back seemingly being a more natural position for him, I, I think that that's very much the case, to be honest. Uh, as strange as it is to say, given that he spent his whole career at left-back, um, he has the perfect attributes to be a, not only a central defender, but a central defender in Pep's system, given his distribution, um, given the way he can, pl- he can play uh, into the midfield, he can run into the midfield on the ball, um, I, I think he's a, a player that's found his natural position finally. I really do. Um, it's made a lot easier with Pep's system, of course. Um, I think he he suits the idea that um, he can run with the ball, he can enter the midfield. He He's definitely benefiting from the fact that Fernandinho's playing alongside him like the the 10 other players on the pitch because uh, Fernandinho, I mean, players must love playing with Fernandinho, but um, he he seems to have a free reign. Um, Does to- it
2: count that I have loved Fernandinho and been worshiping him on FIFA since long before? I like-
0: think I think City fans have always kind of known how good Fernandinho is. I think it goes- I don't think so. Well, well I think, I think they it's like th- to
2: come around last
0: year. I think I think that that's fair. I think that there's always been. I think there's tears of Fernandinho, if I can use a really weird phrase. I think there's always been the section of City fans who have really known and appreciated how good he is. There is the other section of City fans that know he's really good, but not this good. And then there's the sort of everyone else who just sort of flies under the radar with them.
2: See, I've been a fan of Fernandinho. And I'm not, like, I realize this sounds like I liked this band before they became popular. You're a
0: Fernandinho hipster. <laughs>
2: I am a Fernandinho hipster indeed, but but I I I think that one thing that I've always noticed about Fernandinho and one of the reasons I never sweated Milner being on is because I kind of felt like Fernandinho is a much, much, much better version of James Milner in that he can play pretty much anywhere on the pitch, which is Milner can uh, or has. Uh, he's got that engine for days, same with Milner. But really I think that what separates the two of them is the footballing intelligence and the ability to finish.
1: Um I think off the ball as well. As good as there yeah, okay, is fair. Uh, yes. defensively, and, and Klopp's obviously shown um that by playing him at left back, I think defensively of he's I, I put him at the same level off the ball as Kante in terms of how he reads the game, how he intercepts the ball. But what sets him apart from Cantier is his distribution. And yeah. that's also better than Milner as well. And like you said, his, his finishing is uh, much better than James Milner's.
2: He's also not afraid to take those shots too. Like Fernandinho comes up and he'll launch one from beyond the box with the confidence that
0: he can put it in the net. Can I frame this to you guys? Both of you are And BT Dub, uh, yes
2: you can, but BT Dub... Uh, pit gray tears of fernandinho is the name of this episode now okay
0: (laughs) I'll, i'll remember that but let me phrase this as a question for both of you and i will answer it too is fernandinho the most complete midfielder in the premier league
2: i still think conte is a little bit better than him um but i i do think that it's 1a and 1b to be perfectly honest with you and the only reason that I would rate Conte a little bit higher is because with Conte you can put a two man midfield in there and it still plays like a three man midfield with with Fernandinho while he's got that engine I don't think it's quite
0: on that level. Can we test this? Can we put Conte in a midfield with two with Yaya <laughs> I, I want to see how that gets on. Yeah,
2: I would be okay with that. That would be the ultimate test. Like, That is
0: the ultimate
2: <laughs> test of how who, you are. Would, we could set that up as almost like an American Gladiators competition. You have to play a full 90 minutes in a two-man midfield with Yaya
0: Turri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Joe, what do you think on the Fernandinho question?
1: Um, I... I think he's better than Kante. Um, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you there, Josh. Um, I've I've seen Kante play this year and he's... I wouldn't say average. Average is too harsh. But he's struggling to adapt to a team that passes the ball short a lot more, that um, uses first-touch football a lot more. Um, while he's exceptional off the ball, I think um, Fernandinho is way more complete. And Well, I think complete as a word is difficult to use because you know it's another one of those vague
0: questions that you can just sort of define however you'd like to define it i'm thinking in terms of a midfielder who's capable the way i would define it and you may define it differently i would define it as a as a player a midfielder who can he can defend for you he can pass for you he can finish for you he can do a job in basically every aspect of a game
1: then i guess yes i I, I'd, i'd have to go yes um Simply yeah, under those
2: criteria I'd re- sorry, Joe, I'd I'd rephrase my answer to-
0: it's, it's, yeah. I I suppose that's my own fault for not defining complete but I Go uh, ahead, Joe! We're tired of cutting you off. It's in the it's a it's a word that's in the eye of the beholder, I guess.
1: Yeah, I I think he is. Just on the basis that he's that good at at the defensive work, I think. I think that him and Kante are, are above anyone else as a defensive midfielder, as as just raw, reading the, the ball, reading the other team on possession. They, they have that that not many other people have, not only in the Premier League, but in Europe. Um, why he's more complete than anyone else is he can do all that, and yet he can still spray balls and still bomb forward, and he's still got a good finish on him. And he's... Well, he's even scored a goal with his head uh, this year. So um, he... In Pep's system, he is the most complete player in the uh, complete midfielder in the Premier League. Um, remember, not the best, but yeah. the most complete. Yeah,
0: that's, that's that's a good way of putting it. Remember when I, Mad, remember when Madich was the new Makalele? Just <laughs> just to put yeah, that out there.
2: You know, I, I asked that earlier this week, and I was I, I asked that to our Twitter followers. I'm like, I wonder how people feel still feel about that. You know?
0: Well, this is actually a good segue into our next topic. Um, which is, we're, let's talk about, it's been five games, so we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I'm just going to say yeah. this off the top, the whole Champions-Elect thing is nonsense. And it's way too soon to begin bestowing that title on any team anywhere. That said, um, obviously we remember we started off 5-5 five and five last year, and we know how that ended. This has a completely different feel about it, so let's talk about the league are city, as it stands, your title favorites—not champions elect or anything like that—but are they your title favorites? And if not, who is? My answer uh, is my answer is yes, by the way, and I'll turn it over to you guys.
1: My answer is also yes. I I think it's I. If you're gonna pick someone else, I'd have to ask why, to be honest. Um, we we all know what United's issues are. We don't need to go into that, but. Uh, let's well let's talk about Chelsea for one. I I can't wait to play them if they if they play like that um, on Friday uh, against Liverpool. If they they play the same, uh, we would run all over them. We'd we'd beat them comfortably, I think. Um, and then outside of Chelsea, you have Liverpool who are defensively fragile. Um, they still haven't quite um, fulfilled what Klopp wants. I think Klopp still needs more time to get a real um just uh, a real high pressing complete side um and then Ar- Arsenal and Spurs are kind of I'm not even sure they'll be- make the top 4 yet so uh, basically on the process of elimination I-, I have us way ahead of a lot of teams in the Premier League um and I fully expect us to win uh, it's it's very it's very early um but given our quality man for man not only in terms of the recent form uh, we should win this league
0: yeah i'm wary of coming off as too overconfident but we're just we i think we understand the reality of there's 33 games left but yeah. at the same time we're asked josh you have us as title favorites um i do
2: but i would add that i am slightly less pessimistic about
0: liverpool let me and, then let me let me in let me, our foreign yeah. Be- before you go into that let me go into the natural next nice question that's on okay campus. all right if since we all agree that tentatively city are title favorites who do you rate as the biggest threat to that right now
2: well i'll cue off here um I i am i am always hesitant to list anybody as favorites, especially five right. games and right, right, right. a 38 game.
0: But if—if if we're season. assuming who, who, then even but if I you think, don't assume that we're favorites, who do you think is the biggest threat to City win? Right you
2: now, I—I do think it's Liverpool. Um, I think that a lot of what Klopp has done has gone kind of underappreciated. Uh, he is building something there. And and I do agree with Joe that he's still got a bit to go before he has the team the complete way he'd like it. But I don't think enough's been made of his transfer business this year and how much it's dramatically improved the Liverpool we saw last year. Versus
0: can, this year. can I make a point before I let you go any further? Sure. Is I think you can tell already – who is playing well and who isn't based on how they handle their transfer business, and who bought based on need as opposed to who bought based on who's good. David Louise is not a Conti player, not under any sense of the word.
2: No, but I saw an article that makes a lot of sense uh, that that I think framed it. And if you don't mind, uh, for Conti, what it was, and Chelsea was David Louise is the devil they know.
0: Okay. See, that's fair. But I think that with with Chelsea's business... That's exactly business,
2: what the article was titled, too. Yeah, the devil
0: they know. I think Chelsea's business has been mixed. I think United have not bought based on what they need. I think Liverpool have bought based on a need. I think City have bought based on what will fit them. I think Spurs didn't have a ton of business. Arsenal didn't really have any business I other than Jaka.
2: The Spurs felt they didn't have a ton of business. They went about it very a very quiet, supplemental cover for Harry yeah. Kane. That was enormous team. for Spurs. That 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 was something that they needed to address yeah. because you can see how much they struggle as a team when Harry Kane goes through rough patches. Mm-hmm. If, but the but equivalent the- would be when Aguero was out under Pellegrini.
0: But my my point overall, my point overall being, before I let you finish your thought on Liverpool, my point overall being, you can look at the teams that have started well. Spurs have started fairly well, they haven't lost yet. Liverpool have started fairly well, except for that one game they had against Burnley. City have obviously started fantastically. Chelsea have started okay, but they've never really looked like a finished product. Arsenal have started middling. United started good, but they've been poor. I think there's a difference between teams that bought well based on need and teams that didn't there, and it's played itself out already early in the season. So finish your thought on Liverpool based on... You were talking about how Klopp bought well.
2: Yeah, he bought well. I I think you put it in a way that, that does it more justice than where I was headed with it, in that they bought based on need... And I think that as you look at Liverpool coming together, this is a team that I think can can put a serious threat to, to, to Manchester City. If nothing else, because Jurgen Klopp has had his moments against Guardiola. He's not dumb. He knows how to play against the Pep team. I think that'll be interesting. And I know we had it on this podcast where I said... I think one or two managers are gonna have Guardiola's number this year. And I think Liverpool may be one of those teams. I agree. Uh, um, you know, it, it, there's a difference between thinking City are gonna, you know, be the title favorites and then predicting them to win every game. We have to assume some losses along the way. And I look at Liverpool and I think that they're the team that match up best with City. I really do. I uh, The thing with Chelsea is this, I think that Conte's Euros and him staying with Italy, especially as late as they did, and Chelsea's refusal to get on with the announcement of it until after because the Italians are sort of traditional in the way that they do things. I think that severely impacted Chelsea's ability to, to hit the market this year. And I think that, you know, if Conte can survive Abramovich's, you know, bloody red hand, then I think he will do significantly better business next year. Right. and You'll see a team on Chelsea that defensively and, and surprisingly enough moving forward, much like Italy did in the Euros, can compete with people and can su- surprise some people,
0: but yeah. I think
2: Conte just got
0: in too late. L- this let me—I'm going to make a point about Chelsea's transfer business. I'm going to turn this over to Joe for his answer. But um, my thinking: Chelsea, they bought—and you can forgive me, you can correct me if I'm forgetting anyone—but the three that come to mind for me, they bought Conte, who's very good. They bought David Louise, who we've t- we mentioned, and uh, Batshuayi, who is basically. Cover slash assistance for Diego Costa.
2: So I think that's why is the heir apparent too. Really. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I, I
0: don't know that Costa is particularly long for Chelsea, but um, I, I I think that in general Chelsea's transfer business has been very mixed over the last few years. Fabregas was really good for a year and then was terrible. Um, Mourinho didn't really bring in anyone of consequence other than Costa and Matic. Um Courtois obviously came in, but he had been purchased by them long before any any uh, Mourinho had showed up again. So I, I think Chelsea have done kind of mediocre in the transfer market, and this summer is not necessarily an exception. Joe, tell us who you would worry about if you were worrying about anyone.
1: Um. Okay. Well, in light of what Josh says, I think. It's definitely right to be worried about Liverpool. Uh, I did just mention the fact that they have defensive frailties, and that's I think that's obvious for everyone to see. But head to head wise, um, I think that that's going to be the two games of the season, Man City, Liverpool. I think they're going to Klopp's going to cause us the most problems, uh, at a guess. Um, I I think we could still beat them, uh, just on the basis that man for man, we have a, a much superior team. Um, in terms of their signings, I think they've done well in part. But I mean, Sadio Omani is a fantastic signing. That's clear. I mean, he's he's working superbly with he's one of, one of one of the
0: bigger impact signings of the summer, I think.
1: Absolutely. He's been superb every game. Um, Wijnaldum I still need to see a lot more of I I
0: irrationally like Wijnaldum I I like
1: Wijnaldum,
2: I can speak a little bit to this I really like Wijnaldum And I think that, you know, just my Dutchness gives me a minor bit of authority on this subject (laughs) Uh, I I think Wijnaldum has all the attributes of a box-to-box that you really like I do think that he is still young, I think he's raw and I think part of that is due to where the Dutch system is at. I think he'd be further along in a much different era. But I really do believe that under Klopp, Wynaldum is, is is going to reap massive benefits. I truly do. He has the engine
0: he's in to that be deeper a perfect role. fit.
2: He's in that deeper uh, so. role.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, he's in that deeper role this year. Klopp has moved him a little bit deeper. Joe, go Which, ahead.
1: Go yeah, ahead. No, yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Yeah, um... Uh so I mean Wayne is someone that I do admire as a player. I think he he was wasted at Newcastle a little bit. Um so he could well grow into this side. You you're very right there Josh. Um they they didn't the they invested in a center back called uh, Clavan I think it is. Um I I've never met really but... Tip
0: too they signed.
1: Yeah on jo- jo- a free course. Um obviously that's it's good value for money because he's not a bad player and I think he's shown that so far. Uh, I don't think he'll be necessarily their, their problems defensively. I think full-backs is definitely an issue for them. I, I'm still wondering why they didn't invest in a left-back. I'm wondering what y- your guys' thoughts on this are, because, uh, although James Milner is <laughs> uh, actually quite good as a left-back. I quite- have a
0: very How annoyed very... How annoyed must James Milner be? He left to play more central (laughs) midfield and he's already been shunted out to the left back position.
2: (laughs) And and City are flying. Like, if anybody has a chance to win crowns, like, you know, Milner came close last year, but hitherto thou shalt come, but no further. One of my favorite passages. Um, Who were we talking about? Oh, we're about to answer why Liverpool didn't sign a left back. FSG, man. I think FSG dumped about as much money as they felt they wanted to, based on the results of last season. Uh, they they tend to do things on a bit, on a sliding scale. The more you win, the more you get. Uh, and I I think this year they they spent uh, as much as they felt comfortable spending, and that's why they didn't address the left back position now. If Liverpool mount a challenge and are looking damn good, but Klopp goes to you know Henry uh, or the board, uh, you know right before that January transfer window and says, "Look, dude, I think I can take down this Guardiola character if if you provide me with a left back," then FSG may open up the pocketbook again. But I my my simple explanation is that I think FSG just put a cap on what Jurgen could spend.
1: Yeah, that's that's probably true. Um, I I did think they needed a better centre back as well. Um, <laughs> because even with those two signings, I think they're they're all bang average to be honest. Yeah. Um, I don't think they've replaced Daniel Agger when he was at peak form. Um, and Jamie Carragher for that matter. I don't think they've they've ever replaced them. Um, but get, if I was to rewind about fifteen minutes when you grey um you asked who's the biggest threat and. Uh, Josh, you did say Liverpool. Um, I'm still gonna, and I'm still gonna go with United. I think United. If we were to finish first, I know it's very early, but I, I do think that they're still in line to finish second. Um, but Josh, you don't agree. Where where do you think United will land?
2: Because I uh, why? Well, first I'll say why I don't agree, and that's because all the crap that that Mourinho did that split that locker at Chelsea. It's already happening. It's already happening. And, and the problem with having guys like Zlatan and Mino Riola clients uh, is that they are entitled because they've been taught to be entitled. Mino has told them, I'll get you whatever you want, and likely has said, you deserve everything. I mean, that's how agents take care of their clients. It's, it's, it's not new you know, but but Mino does a different type of business and he works with guys that have massive egos. Uh, invariably because he expects them to go on and become big stars. You can't be a superstar without having an ego of some kind. Um, but one thing I've noticed about Pogba is he started to get more shy. Uh, he's not letting things rip as often as he'd like. Or probably has in the past when he was with Juventus. Um, I don't think that Mourinho is going to handle the Wayne Rooney thing with uh, any sort
1: of a plum. That's what I wanted to talk about. Actually, sorry to interrupt. Yeah,
2: yeah, we can put a pin in that one real quick. Yeah, uh, I, I, I have a couple thoughts. Yeah, on yeah, that yeah as we'll, we'll get back we'll to, that. Me, we'll go me, to that. Let me let me let me knock this out, and we'll circle back to Mister Rooney. Um, and then I look at Zlatan. The, the The truth of the matter is is that I think he is a 34-year-old striker. And he's not going to put in those kind of shifts. And Mourinho's aversion to... And I'm going to say this, dude. I would take Marcus Rashford on my team 10 out of 10 days and twice on Sunday.
1: On what? your In your squad or on your starting 11, do you mean?
2: Uh... Honestly, yeah. I mean, on City,
0: it's difficult to say. I don't think he would yeah. make the 11, but he would. I would put him in the squad, yes. Yeah.
2: You know, I, I think, depending on my team, Marcus Rashford would make my 11. Depends and, on how
0: you're playing, I imagine.
2: Okay, fair enough. But right now, I can make a case for Rashford over several people who continuously get the nod for United. And I think it's only a matter of time before that comes to a head and comes unraveled in some
0: senses.
1: Yeah, um, um, I, I have slightly different thoughts on United in general. I, I can think. Can I the, give,
0: can I give my quick thoughts and then I'll, because yeah, I think I might be a little bit in the middle here. Um, I think they'll still finish top four. I'm going to put that out of the way. I think they m- will eventually figure out something. But right now, what I see with United, and this isn't just this year, and I said this on the City Watch pod this morning, I'll say it again at a, a bit more length. I don't think they have an identity. I don't think they know what they are. And I look at the other teams that we are sort of talking about in this conversation. I know what Arsenal are all about. I know what Chelsea are all about. I know what Spurs and Liverpool are all about, as far as their identity goes. I know what um, I know what those teams are about. I can identify. They have a plan. They have an idea of what they want their players to do. They have that sort of identity that you look for. I don't see that with United. And I think it goes back to the day that Sir Alex Ferguson left. And I think that you talk to their fans and there is obviously that desire for that attacking football, that swagger, that verve, that confidence that they haven't had. That is how they feel like United should play. But they have, to be as diplomatic as possible, hired three managers who have played very pragmatically to negatively since that. and. Obviously, Mourinho is the result of that, just this desire, well, he's a winner, so we need to win, and that's why he's there. But they are, frankly, I think, caught in an identity crisis, and it shows when they pick their best 11. They don't have a best 11 yet, and I think that's true, City too. But when you look at City, you know exactly – those players know what they're supposed to be doing. Whoever, Whichever 11 are on the field, they know what they're supposed to be doing. There is a plan. There is an identity. They know what they're doing. United, I don't think, know what they're doing yet. And I think they may still come good on that, but right now it is just a collection of good players that they're throwing out there and trying to figure out how they fit. It is a bunch of puzzle pieces that don't fit together. We see that with Pogba. We see that with Rooney, who doesn't look like he belongs. We see that with several, several of their players. And frankly, I They haven't found that yet. And it's just a bunch of scattered puzzle pieces across a football field. And it's strange
2: to see from a Mourinho team that has no identity. That's the last thing you would think. I mean, we,
0: we know they're, they're big. They're physical. They have a lot of talented players, but there's not sort of that coalescing happening. And that's, so Joe, I'll let you go now, but that, that's my thought on United is that it's sort of caught in an identity crisis right now.
1: Um, to be honest, I can't necessarily disagree with any of that. Um, I do think, though, that um, to to bring it back to uh, the identity crisis, I think that it fundamentally boils down to him not uh, finding his best team yet. I think he hoped that uh, Rooney would work um, as a number 10. I think he's finding out very quickly that it's not going to work. He had an absolute United. Problem.
0: United have a lot of number 10s. Have we they noticed did. that? They have a lot of number 10s. And that's. Kind of interesting that that they do because Mkhitaryan's number ten, Rooney that's is the a
1: number
0: number ten at this point. Pogba is wants to be a number ten.
1: Absolutely, I think though that this. Uh, I mean, it, it's no doubt a. So a, is,
0: I, I forgot, Juan Mata is kind of is a number ten too, frankly. Well,
1: that's no doubt where he's best at. He's better there than out wide for sure, but just because of his passing ability, but. I, I just think that it's going to take. Look, Mourinho was a reactionary hire, and then it, it, a lot of what United have done so far has been a reaction to us. And I really believe that that that's true. So I, I think it'll take a little bit more time for them to be um, to hit it off. And I, I, honestly, I think they they will get it together. And um, it's all it, fundamentally it comes down to. Them not yet finding their best eleven, like you said, Gray. But I think that if, but once they have the, once Mourinho understands that Rooney can't play in this team anymore, and I do think that uh, Mourinho is the type of figure to to tell Rooney to sit on the bench because he's not good enough. um, I, I I can see this team doing much better. They'll push Pogba forward eventually. They'll probably end up dropping Fellaini at some point. Um, I, I'm not quite sure how good Schneidlin is yet um, at playing the deeper role. I've, I haven't really seen enough good games from him, but I think he could. He's surely an improvement on Fellaini. Daly Blint even could be an improvement as an anchor man in that uh, defensive midfield.
0: <laughs> I like I, da- I like Daly Blint in certain roles. I think he's yeah. been miscast at certain points. Yeah, I, don't I think, think he's a that- useful player.
1: I don't think center backs for him just because of the physicality of the league and and of the defensive uh, the center back position in the Premier League. I don't think his height really works with a position I think I think you have to be exceptionally exceptional, sorry, uh to be able to play in that position with that height and he's not quite there. Um so anyway, I was I think that I just think that with Pogba eventually moving forward into a number ten, um, with Mkhitaryan coming back to full fitness, which by the way is not there yet, Martial's obviously struggled to adapt to the Mourinho style at the moment. Um, I think it will click, not to the extent where I think that they will win the league, but I think they will click and certainly be a threat to us and. I I think that it'll be a very different game at the Etihad when we play them. I think they'll make it a lot harder for us. Um, I just think that because everything was kind of reactionary to uh, the teams around us, mainly us, it will take a little bit extra time. And they are surprisingly more of a work in progress. I hate using that phrase because you think to yourself, well, you've, you've paid 90 million for Pogba how can you still be a work in progress? You know, you've, you've bought to win now, same with Ibrahimovic. But I do think that they are a work in progress and they will turn into a team that will probably run over the, they'll probably be a flat track bully and that they'll probably start running over average teams and collect points. And they, they'll definitely, I think they'll finish ahead of Liverpool. And I I, th- I honestly think that third is the lowest they will finish.
0: My thinking on United, I think is you ultimately what will determine how far United goes is how cutthroat Mourinho gets and how long it takes him to do it. you definitely because I, that's why I'm not I think I think that um yeah, if he drops Rooney at the weekend, then I think they're really onto something. But it's there's sort of that hesitancy. He's the captain, he's there's there's sure. so much political stuff involved me, with Rooney at United.
1: But if I just can do it, it I, would be I, Mourinho, wouldn't it? That's the thing. That's the thing. Given the past with John Terry, yeah, you would you know.
0: think that if anyone is going to be of the the c- cutthroat enough to give them what they need, it would be him. But I don't know can how I... long he'll dawdle. Yeah, you can go now.
2: No, no, I just wanted to comment on 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 what Joe had brought up with regard to them being reactionary. You know, I've been uh, uh, I've been tweeting about that and saying that uh, that very same thing. But it's also why I don't think it's going to happen under Mourinho. This, it's sort of an amalgam of Gray's point and your point, Joe, in that United sort of pieced together a roster that was Mino-Raiola. That, that's exactly what it was. We don't have to split hairs about it. Jose Mourinho got the job because he said, I've got Mino, and Mino is going to bring Zlatan, Pogba, and whatever. And United are like, okay, This isn't really a deal we want to do, but how can we turn down Pogba, Ibrahimovic, etc.? It was not a cohesive plan. And it is not a cohesive plan. And no matter how Mourinho tries, I don't think he can make this work because it was never built to work. It was never put together with functionalism in mind. So... Mourinho is a great coach, but he's sort of going to be stuck in a position where he's got a team full of aging, a lot of just frankly non-United players, and that team is very quickly losing confidence by the game. United are losing games that they have no business losing, and if that team, for whatever reason, doesn't get out of the Europa League group stage... Lord almighty, I think it is going to implode and collapse
1: like nobody's business.
0: Yeah, I, I don't yeah,
1: know if I would go. Stage, yeah. they, they, they will because, I mean, their biggest rival, Fenerbahce, they they didn't even win their game when uh, when United lost to Feyenoord, which, I mean, the, the standard is absolutely atrocious in that in that group stage. I know they did lose their first game, but... I've I've no doubts they will uh, get that group thing. Yeah,
2: United better get out of that group. Is I mean, if you don't get out of that group, that's something that costs you your job. That group, I don't I don't think Looking at
0: that, that group, if they don't get out
2: of it, you don't think like if United can't get if out. If it of were the group,
0: Champions League, yes. If it's the Europa League, no. Eh, I don't I don't, I don't think the Europa League is actually a huge priority for them. I think that I don't think it is necessarily. I don't think it's a priority. I don't think they'll be happy if they don't get out of the group. But I, don't I also think don't think it will launch a crisis. No,
2: I think I the fans think, will make it be a deal out
0: of it. I think a crisis is if they're fit, sitting fifth, sixth, seventh in January, February, March. I think then you're you're talking. I, about, I think then you're talking about a situation where you really need to assess some things. But I don't think the Europa League is going to have any huge bearing on it. Okay. Um, yeah. I, let's I, move on from United. Yeah, States let's let's talk. Africa. I want to talk about the London clubs real quick. Good get the league the league cup um do you see any of these guys we talk a little about about chelsea who i they haven't been bad but they haven't impressed me you look at you look for these teams like you look for the moment you look for the team you can say you watch them play and you think wow they've got it it's in there somewhere They might not be there all the time but you know they got it i haven't seen it from chelsea yet i have not seen it from arsenal yet i have i'm a I'm a believer in Spurs. See, your Arsenal don't make the top four. I said I predict. I said they wouldn't actually, and I'm not changing my mind yet.
1: I think, uh, I think that they could, in typical Arsenal fashion, scrape fourth. Yeah,
0: I think they're in serious danger for once.
1: They are. They're in more danger than previous. Uh, than more past- than usual.
0: Um, <laughs> I just, I think of all the top clubs that we're discussing, of all the top managers, Wenger is the easiest to pick apart. And that's going to manifest itself in bigger games. They've already been picked apart by Klopp. Um, obviously, Mourinho's record against him is fantastic. Um, so the, I, I worry for Arsenal a little bit. I don't think they're genuine title contenders this year. Um, despite the fact that they probably have, I think, maybe the third best club on paper. Um but there's always something missing yeah. there. They're not are the you, most well rounded either. Are you concerned at all about the
2: idea that trains for rumors with Alexi Sanchez are starting to pick up more and more steam?
0: Yeah, aren't they? Well, I think with, it's the Arsenal way. Eventually, if you sign there, if you're really serious about winning trophies, there's kind of a breaking point for you. Hot mm-hmm. class players well, like yeah. Ozil and Sanchez are eventually going to have to make a decision, just like Van Persie did, and Nasri did, and other people have.
1: Definitely. Interestingly. Um... On my first ever podcast with you guys, I think it came up. It was during pre-season that we had rumours with Sanchez. Uh, Josh, I think you were the one to bring it up, and me and Gray said that we both wouldn't want him at the time. Um, and I I agree with that. He's he's a class player, but that's not a a need at all. It's um, not a need.
0: It's a luxury signing, isn't it? It's yeah. a
1: luxury signing, and I don't see how it would work. Um, not I, without upsetting... Well, the only way it works
2: is if you absolutely accept the fact that Nolito is a short, uh, short-term... short I don't know what he signed. What was his contract for? Three years? Yeah. I, it was I, three think, years. I don't think it was like a full five. Yeah. Um, but you look at Nolito, uh, and you look at Jesus Navas, and you say, okay, these are guys who, who might not be there... And Sané still needs to do some growth. Raheem Sterling still isn't uh, – I'm going to use a phrase that I'm sure all of us will appreciate it. He's not on every down back.
0: Um, the thing I know, would say about Sanchez is he turns 28 in December. He's not old. He's reaching his peak. He's not old. He's reaching his peak. But if we're talking about getting younger, he doesn't really do that either.
1: He, he talked in the media uh, a couple of weeks back and said that he um, was close to Messi and Ronaldo's level. Um, I, uh, the guy is incredibly talented, but I want players that can step up in the big games, and I've seen a lot of Alexis Sanchez where he disappears in a big head-to-head game in the Premier League. I want Kevin De Bruyne in mean, in America. To
0: yeah, I know he scored a couple of goals in the last World Cup, but you're looking at... You know, it's just, who do you sacrifice? You don't, you're not going to, there's guys in this team that you're just not going to sacrifice for, even for him.
2: I just, when I asked the question, I was more looking at it from, we all talked about, is this the year that Arsenal don't do it? And, and I look at the, the transfer rumors that are heating up and maybe it just gives you an indication of where things are at in London right now. Like, even some of their biggest prize assets are sort of facing a shit-or-get-off-the-pot scenario. It
0: feels very, very acrimonious over there at the moment. There's a lot of sort of toxic attitude between the club, the fans, and the, and the supporters, and the, and the manager, I think. more Stop, than, dude! More than before. Um, I think that a lot of people have reached their last straw with Wenger, especially when they went in and lost their season opener like that, the way they did. Um I think that there's a breaking point and I know his contract is up soon and there's going to be a breaking point in Arsenal. And if they give him a new contract, there might, there's going to be a reaction to that. Jeff Fisher's getting an extension. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> I want to get your guys' thoughts on Spurs real quick, because and then we'll we'll get on with this, because I think we've gone on for a while here. But I want to get your thoughts on Spurs. Do you think they're legitimate top four contenders? I, would, I just want to know what you think, because I thought last year there were moments where they were the best club, but they didn't have Leicester's consistency, and ultimately it cost them.
1: They're, a, they're a, no doubt a top four contender. Um, whether they finish in it is another matter. I don't think they will. I don't, for the record,
0: see them as a threat to us.
1: Oh, the, no I, I don't either I know it's very early but I think there's a big gulf between uh, man for man there's a big gulf between the the talents on the field between the two teams I think that they they could have i i I'm still not convinced by their attacking line they often use uh lamella um they've used uh, I like Christian Erickson I, I
0: like I've always a rational like lamella a lot by the way
1: uh, lamella's a uh, he's definitely got better as as the years have gone by at spurs but whether he's the sort of guy that will change a game particularly a big game yeah, i don't I think that, i right. don't think he is um some I, I think that at times and this is a problem too with ibrahimovic at times harry kane can be static and can just be um shown the door in a game i i think that was uh, seen in england i know he was very fatigued in uh, the international games over the summer but at times, because certain strikers, when you don't have the uh, mobility that Harry Kane and Ibrahimović has, with the right defenders and the right tactics, they can be frozen out of games. And Harry Kane can definitely be frozen out of a game, especially when you don't have top attacking midfielders passing to him. Deli Ali and Eriksen are very good. Eriksen's a superb playmaker. But I, I just don't see him as being consistently effective throughout the season. And that is effectively their most um, reliable goal source. That's almost their only goal source. You mentioned Aguero in the Pellegrini era. It's very much like that. And uh, I worry that sometimes they're just not going to get the goals they need to compete at the top.
0: Josh, what do you think about Spurs? Real quick.
2: Um, Good team. I think they achieved uh, maybe not as much as they're going to achieve uh, with the current lineup unless they get some support for uh, Harry Kane in a big way. Look, if you want to compete at the level that the Spurs are aiming to compete at, then the roster they have is simply just not good enough.
0: That's fair. All right. It'll
2: it'll get you second. It'll get you you know, third, a spot
0: League. I think they can squeak yeah. the, fourth this year. I'm going to stick to my preseason top four prediction because I feel it's too early to deviate, which I will put out there. City, United, uh, Chelsea,
1: and Spurs in that order. So I, I, I have uh, City, United, Chelsea, and Liverpool, so we're very close. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, 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 I've ha- already had second thoughts about it, but I feel oh. like it's too early in the season for me to, let's, to sell out on that already. So I'm going to stick to it until it's it's totally dead. Um, let's move on to League Cup. And Joe, this is a question for you living in the UK. It's something that we want to be enlightened over over here. Um, we know it's the fourth cup competition that City will be in this year. We know that much. But how important do the fans see it? And how important do you think Pep and the squad should treat the League Cup as a competition?
1: Um, I, I see, um, it's not important at all. (laughs) That's my, that's my view. I think it's important, uh, in a sense that um we can see players that we w- won't see in other competitions i think in that regard it's important from a selfish perspective um to see some of the young talents we've talked about over pre-season i'm not sure how many will actually play in um uh, in the in this game against Swansea and if we carry on through the cup um, throughout the competition but i think it's important in that regard in terms of how far we go for me not important at all um, I've never seen it as a, a big competition. I think that we should be going all out in the Premier League, the FA Cup, the Champions League. Um, what we did in the FA Cup last year, when we sent the youngsters out of Stamford Bridge, was uh, something I'd never even consider doing, and yeah, I don't I, think it, I
0: don't think that I, happens again.
1: I don't think Pep is the sort of manager to ever let that be a situation where that's even considered. Um, but in terms of the League Cup. I, I have a feeling that Pep will take it more seriously than I'd like him to, <laughs> just because, just because he's the sort of manager that will, uh, he he just wants to win everything. I feel like yeah. he wants to carry on this momentum. No doubt, momentum is important. I, I and I feel like he will take it. I feel like he'll field a mixed eleven with a few starters in there, um, but a few youngsters will get a chance. So maybe he'll take it fairly important. Though that's just me guessing, um, I don't think he should take it seriously, um, and I—that's a feeling that I get—I've always had from this family. But
2: but isn't that—and I say this because—and I'm not saying this to you know be a dick to you or anything—but <laughs> doesn't that kind of run counter to your approach on the FA Cup, like? I think that, you know, saying, like, putting that out there was a tacky move, and that, but, but then you're advocating it for, for the League Cup. I, I think that no matter what, if, if, you, if you put out a less than able team in one competition, uh, I, I, I think that it, I don't know, it sort of opens the door for people to justify doing it in another.
1: I I take your point um that's that's a fair point I can see your logic certainly but I, there's a for me there's always been a huge difference between the FA Cup and the League Cup and it starts and ends there for me really the FA Cup is something that's seen as the uh, historically the cup that everyone competes full strength in it's it's always been considered important um and it's it's something where the the it's kind of like um the the lower tiered teams get a real shot at the um the big sides and the big sides still play a strong eleven. It's kind of that um it's that intrigue to it. And in terms of the history alone, I see the FA Cup as, as just very important to the football culture of England in terms of domestic football. And that uh, the League Cup's never had that. And it, it, I, I don't even know why, but it's just something that's not considered important by many of the top-level ta- um, managers. And we can see that with his um, past few seasons as soon as we've established Ex- ourselves as a contending for,
0: club. Except for Pellegrini, who often played a full... <laughs> a yes. a too-strong a two side, I would argue, in this competition. Um I, I think that the squad is big enough to rotate without sacrificing much. Getting guys game, like we—it's already—he already basically said or hinted strongly that Sané was going to start, for
1: instance. For sure, I think that's worth um, adding, actually, uh, because of how deep our squad is. It's possibly the, the the deepest squad we've ever had in terms of talent. I think that we can afford to rotate. That you know, they're all they're all picked for a reason in this squad. Um, they can rotate and we can still go quite far with that rotation which would be great but at the same time I want to see that rotation I I don't want to have too many games where our top level uh, players are playing because um, like it or not Pep's um, tactical Pep's tactics in general are very demanding on the players
0: Mm -hmm. and I would note that De Bruyne got hurt during the League Cup last year. Obviously it was a semi-final. We're talking slightly different circumstances. Yeah. Well, you can, de- you can debate whether it was worth it or not, but it was a League Cup game that he, he hurt himself in and cost himself a fair bit of time that ultimately, you know, He didn't hurt himself. No. Oh, boy, he, pardon down. me. Got hurt. But, um, you could argue that, you know, was, was the League Cup semi worth, um, everything that happened after. So obviously that's a it's a it's a difficult question because that can happen in any game. It's not necessarily, you know, whatever, but you have to I think you do have to prioritize at this level.
1: Yeah, for sure you you have to prioritize and the Premier League and the Champions League are are taken as red as the most important competitions and if if we can rotate in midweek it sets us up really strongly for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no doubt about that so. so
0: my my last question the last question I'll ask and I'll let Josh get whatever he wants in before we close this out but just for to you Joe is that bearing in mind how you feel about the League Cup and bearing in mind the fact that we are playing this same game again in the League at the weekend which makes for an interesting little wrinkle in my opinion um, how would you set up and what would you do and do you if if you're if you're pep how who do you you know As far as resting guys, do you give how many youngsters, if any? Um, I'm just curious how you would approach this with the knowledge that you're going to have to play them again and this is a lesser competition.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, In terms of youngsters, I don't see that many being fielded, but um, simply because I do think that Pep will play that mixed team. um, I'd like to see Garcia at least get some minutes, though. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that he's... Well, he's far from the finished article yet, obviously, given his age. Um, and I think that he's got still some adapting to do. That's certainly the impression I got when he played those uh, short minutes against Bournemouth um, to the Pep system. But I'd like to see him given a challenge. Um, similarly, I'd like to see some young full-backs play. I'd like, I think the most ready young players we have are at fullback. Um, in Angelino and Mafeo, so I, whilst we do have fullback depth even without them, I would like to see them get some time on the pitch. Um, whether they do is another matter. Um, but in terms of the other parts of the lineup, I see Ian Acho playing just on the basis that Aguero will obviously come in and and uh, fill that position on the weekend. Uh, Sane is obviously going to play. Um, I'd like to see. Um, I think we can afford to play someone like Nalito on the How left. How
2: can Aguero fill that position on the weekend?
1: On the weekend? Well, he's he's back from his ban on the weekend. No,
0: it's, he's still no, one, one, one one got one more game.
1: No, his one game um, is counted in the, the League Cup because it's a domestic competition. Right.
0: It was the Derby and then... Oh, right. Bournemouth... Okay. All right. No, yeah, you're, you're right. It. The Derby, Bournemouth, and uh and he, You're right. He, I got confused there. Pardon me.
1: Yeah, no problem. Um, so I think Kalecci plays by default there. Um I, I we can afford to play Nolito now he's he's banned for a game. Um uh, I think you guys have already talked about that. Um we don't the need auto, to get
0: there. automatic three match, right? Because
1: <laughs> he's he's gonna miss both Swansea games and Spurs, right? I think oh um he's he's banned for three games is that right
0: i i i haven't seen it confirmed but it was a straight red for violent conduct so
1: oh okay because i i didn't see it um, yeah it was a, it was a straight red for violent conduct so i think he, so, so he's actually gonna it's, get a, three, it's the
0: three-game ban yeah
1: so so maybe he can play um just on the basis that um he's he's not going to be needed on the weekend um and I I think obviously Gundogan will be rested. I'd like to see De Bruyne arrested. I think he he might be anyway. If he uh, I don't know if he was struggling for fitness. That's certainly an impression I got from one journalist towards the end of that Bournemouth game. Um, and uh, maybe maybe start uh, Fernando in there because he has stepped in the odd time this season so far, and he's looked okay. He's looked capable in this system. So I'd like to see that sort of rotation. Really, I don't see a full rotation, but I see some experienced players coming in who wouldn't normally be in the eleven, and maybe then uh, the odd youngster like Garcia. And I might be asking too much of the fullbacks coming in, but I'd like that to be the case.
0: Yeah, I think that um, I I wouldn't be surprised to see Fernando either. Um, but again, we don't we don't know. Uh, we've never, Guardiola and I, we made this point on the last podcast, Guardiola's never really had a fourth cup competition to deal with, so we don't know how he's going to approach this. Very true. Um, So I, I'm curious, we'll, we'll see, but I would expect rotation. And the thing about De Bruyne looking short of fitness is that the funny thing about him is he always looks exhausted at the end of every game. Um <laughs> But yeah, I, I don't I don't know, and we didn't we we know Sane is sounds like a pretty sure bet. I would expect to see Fernando and a couple other guys who haven't played. I would expect to see fullback rotation. Josh, do you have anything else on the League Cup as a whole? Anything you'd like to say here? Mm, no, I mean
2: you guys pretty much nailed it all on. I don't really. I've gotten to the point where this may sound sarcastic or unpleasant but i really just don't care enough to try and peg down (laughs) starting 11 like it's a really yeah it's an
0: exercise we keep trying to do it and we're never right so yeah so
2: i i i just assume look at these things from from the aspect of you know what do i expect out of city against swansea um I, I think Swansea are a capable team, but I think Guardiola will be well prepared for this one. Um, it, it, I'll, I'll kind of you know what I'll do I'll do what Joe did. I'll talk about who maybe I'd like to see. I would like to see Sene get a, a you know a full 90 or you know at least a decent portion of a game. Uh, I would like to see uh, De Bruyne arrested, like he mentioned. Um, I I would like to see Tosin get chunked in there.
1: I had a feeling you'd say that. Did
0: you? (laughs) (laughs) How could you have guessed?
2: (laughs) How could you have ever guessed? Um, But I'd also actually like to see Alex Garcia get a a shot at that uh, center defensive midfielder role. Just to kind of see how he'd do, you know, even if it's just for a half, he's more of a traditional, uh, you know, Pep Guardiola CDM, and and I'd be I'd be very curious to see uh, how he responds when tasked uh, to do his job in a high stress environment such as the league
1: cameo. I you. couldn't
0: I couldn't help but wonder if his cameo at the weekend was sort of a precursor to something.
1: That's yeah. what I thought at the time. Do you, One more question, guys. Do you think that Alex Garcia can fill that Fernandinho role where he's effectively a halfback, so he's not he's not just an man, but he often fills in out the back when Kolarov and Stones make runs forward? I don't know. Do you know. think that that can be Garcia's position? I, at,
0: think, I think someday. I think he's someday capable of it. Um, yeah. I think. I think he might. I think... I think next year he might really nail down a, a place in the first team squad, but we'll, we'll have to see about that. But I think he has the profile for it. Whether he eventually fulfills the potential is remains to be seen. But I think he has the profile.
2: Yeah, I I I think that's why I think it'd be interesting to get him some some minutes in a game like this. And the only other thing that I'd add is I ex, I expect, and I'm going to double down on it. I fully expect uh, Jesus Navas to be Nolito's replacement. Um, What Nolito does is far, 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 far too important uh, to Pep's overall system, and you need somebody who understands tactics, and uh, Pep has already substituted out Navas um, for Nolito once before. And I truly believe that that's because Navas is outside of Nolito, the most tactically savvy winger that City have at this. Interestingly, point.
1: interestingly, against Bournemouth, wasn't he put out on the left at one point? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I yeah, think that. Was. And I think that,
2: Yep. And I think that that's what's exactly what's going to end up happening now that Alito picked up a three-card ban. Is I think that Pep's going to need. That tactically responsible, tactically sound, and tactically proficient winger, uh, and the only one that, 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 that City really have consistently right now is Jesus Navas. I mean, all props to Sterling and Sané, but again, young talents. You know, what Nolito does is very subtle, uh, but its importance is, is off the charts. And if you don't have that, then everything else around City uh, doesn't work. And so that is why I am tapping uh, Navas to be the guy who replaces Nolito. So that's all I really got to Definitely.
1: Add. I think the importance of Navas maybe filling in on the left-hand side as well is um, we've got to keep the good thing going on the right-hand side with Raheem Sterling. I don't want to move Sterling around at all while he's in this form. Mm-hmm. Um and given how um, effective he was against Bournemouth, um, him and De Bruyne were dictating the the game for much of the time. I, I don't want to move any of those pieces, so I think that having Navas on the left would really work for me in that respect.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's a a good shout. Um, any last comments before we close this out? I will open the floor to either of
1: you. Uh, I have nothing. How about you, Josh?
2: I just want to know how it went uh with the uh with the uh, Daisy cutter and all them peeps on your uh howard Hawken everybody on the city watch podcast this morning. I mean, I'll obviously listen to it, but how'd it go?
0: Oh, I had a blast. I had a blast loved it loved it. can't wait to do it again. hope I get to do it again um yeah, very very good stuff. If you haven't listened, by the way, that is up as we speak, Um, and definitely up. So the latest City Watch podcast, I'm on it. You can go listen to it. It's very exciting. We talked a little about, so, similar to what we talked about today, we talked about the Bournemouth game, and we assessed our rivals in the league. So you will want to check that out. Um Absolutely. Joe, you're mm. on Twitter. Oh, sorry. Go. Sounds uh, I, important. I <laughs> yeah, I remember
2: one thing. On the very first City Watch Mothership podcast that I did, I remember stating, and I'll have to go back and find the clip, I said Raheem Sterling needs to be playing on the right. And Asan's like, hmm, that's an interesting point. Why do you feel that way? And I elaborated on that, and I said that I think he's better in 1v1. He feels more confident on the ball, whereas he's on the left-hand side. He kind of just drags it and kind of like, you know, just sidesteps with the ball at him waiting for the defender to make a move and and he usually gets the ball poked out from him uh yeah i'm really enjoying that prediction
1: (laughs) you've nailed nailed that you're allowed
0: to pat yourself on the back for that one
1: you've nailed it i think on the left-hand side um a lot of sterling's momentum's when he was making the runs certainly with the ball was completely um, axed when he had to cut back inside on his right because he wasn't confident enough, enough on his left. So uh, you got that bang on, and I I see that being his future at City on that right-hand side. Um, uh, unless he can establish himself as a two-footed winger, I can see that certainly being uh, set in stone for City. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, Joe, you're on Twitter if people want to follow you.
1: I am. Um I my Twitter handle is JW Bailey, all lower caps, and then the number one after it. Um, so yeah. I've had a couple more followers actually since my last podcast, which is great. Um, the more the merrier, especially within the city community. It's great to discuss things on Twitter as I do with your account and with ASAN's account. And quickly I'll just give Howard Hawking a shout out for his Brilliant use of Twitter recently. Um if you follow him, you know exactly what I'm talking about. As ever. As ever. Alright.
0: Um, gentlemen, thanks for your time. Um we'll we'll be back after the Swansea game in some form or another. Um so this has been uh City watches American Citizens. You can follow us on Twitter at America Citizens. Um, and we are on iTunes. You can subscribe to us there, sponsored by Blog Talk Radio. This has been City Watches American Citizens. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.